Some sort of herb, yes. Not carrots. Cilantro. Stronger than cilantro. Stronger than rosemary. Not rosemary. What time is it? It's, uh, uh, the poison. Now you're actually getting a little bit closer than you might think. Uh, um, y'all are so good. Uh, you know m- way more about plants than I do. But I don't know if you'll guess this or not. This is wormwood. You love wormwood? Okay. So, so wormwood is a thing, all right? Uh, t- anybody want to tell me what you know about wormwood while I sneeze? Uh, that's right. Worm and cal- screw tape letters, Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, wormwood is a noxious weed. Um, it has, has medicinal, medicinal purposes. Uh, it's used in, in ancient, from, as far as ancient times, it uh, has been used as uh, a deworming agent uh, for animals. It's been used uh, to, as a pesticide uh, to, to kill and drive off uh, bugs in an infested house or infested place. Um, uh, it was distilled as an oil. Uh, this, and this is mean, y'all, but uh, just to tell you that it was used uh, to encourage um, the weaning of children. And I'll just give you an idea about what... Uh, <laughs> Um, it, um, it is the primary ingredient in absinthe, which we won't go on any further than that, but uh, it, it, it smells bad. It's, it's super, super strong odor and super, uh, it's, it's, a, it's super offensive. The smell, the, 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 you know, the, the aroma, the impact of it, it's, it scares bugs away or kills them. Uh, and this is actually being grown in the demonstration garden uh, uh, on the estate of Thomas Jefferson uh, because it was a big thing. Uh, it was a very important thing back uh, in revolutionary times. But, it, but it's also, it plays a, plays a very prominent place in the Bible. And I'll explain, it to, I'll explain that to you in a second. But I just wanted you to, to have a horticultural lesson today because where else are you going to learn these things? Right. It will absolutely keep deer away. I just. That's right. Yes, but it's not a gardening series. Okay, so let me just. Re- so let me remind you, we've been we've been in Acts chapter eight for a while, and where we're discovering the the urgency and the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit. That it was everything. So uh, this just. To, to remind you or to get you caught up real quickly. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they, could be, that they would re- receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they began praying. The apostles began laying hands on them, and the Samaritans started receiving the Holy Spirit. Boom. It's like it was so important that 
the, the apostles had to run up to Samaria, a place that they hated going to, <clears throat> to make sure that the new Christians had, had received the Holy Spirit. More important than anything else, top priority. So we found out last week uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, this verse, chapter, verse 4, uh, where it says, uh, Such confidence we have through Christ toward God, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves. Y'all listen. Our adequacy is from God. Our adequacy is from God. Laura had no resources to make money magically appear in her bank account this week. A, she had no money. She had no options for really getting any money. Her adequacy is not from herself. Once again, God proved her adequacy is from God. Our adequacy is from God. He makes us adequate as we serve the new covenant. The covenant, but not based on the letter of the law, of doing better and trying harder and doing better and trying harder. But, oh, oh by the way, that kills. Doing better and trying harder, trying to keep up with the rules, trying to make God happier uh, so that you can feel better about yourself. That, that is death. That is bondage. That is death. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Laura, thank you for being our sermon illustration today, but uh, when did Laura, in in this situation that she was struggling with, when did she begin to walk in liberty? When the money came, when, when she found the money was in her account? Nope. No, it was before that. It was, she had liberty when she said, God just has to be in charge of this. I know God is faithful. I know he's going to do something. I'm not sure what he's going to do, but I know he's going to do something, so I'm not going to worry. I'm just going to trust him without any idea what was going to happen next. I'm just going to trust him. Where the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, which, and where was the Spirit of the Lord in that moment? The Holy Spirit. Remember that? You remember the prayer you prayed last Sunday? All right. Um, do you want to tell people the prayer you prayed last week? Okay. Well, not, not the words, but uh, you just, just you, you, last Sunday, you just wanted to open yourself up in a brand new way to God and, and to the Holy Spirit and to, and, and, No, no, it, because who knows, there could have been lots of different outcomes. But the point was that you were walking in liberty regardless of the outcome. You're walking, do you know what it means? Liberty means walking in freedom no matter, uh, because you've given up being concerned about the outcome. Because you know that, that God is going to make it okay no matter what it is. Uh, so freedom, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So you understand why it was important to the apostles We've got to get up there. We've got to lay hands on those people. We have to make sure that they receive the Holy Spirit because they're going to miss the whole point 
of belonging to Jesus if they're not living in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. They're going to still end up back in bondage. They're going to they're be sitting there, what do I need to do? I've got to get that money in the bank by the end of the... I don't know what to do. I need, I need to start calling people. I need to start begging people. I need to start f- robbing banks. I need to do whatever it is that I need to do. I, I'm, I've got to fix this. I've, it's up to me. I've got to fix this because there's no help if I don't come up with an idea to fix this and make it better. Well, the Holy Spirit shows up and says, it's already better. I've already got you. I've already got this. You are my child. You are my child, and I will not abandon you. I will not abandon you. And it's not up to you to fix this. It's only up to you to trust me and let me work through you. All right. So, whoo, I love this. That was last week. Uh, I think I'm going to punch this button again. Okay. Now, interesting question. Who are you full of? Now we're picking up the thread. Remember a few verses back, we met Simon the magician, who was probably not a necromancer. He wasn't a sorcerer. Uh, He was probably just a guy who had learned to do some magic tricks. Maybe he was a sort of an astrologer, but he had had a way of impressing people. Maybe he did cold reads on people and made made them think he was reading their minds. But anyhow... He saw, when he saw the power of the Holy Spirit, he knew that he was out of his league. And he was astonished and amazed. And he was taken. He was convinced he was now, for the first time in his life, seeing the real, the genuine article, real spiritual power. And he professed Jesus and he was baptized. And then we go off and do something else. And now we're coming back to him again. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered the apostles money, saying, Give this authority to me as well, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter said to him, No, no, dude, I'm not, no. May your silver perish with you. Because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. What is the Holy Spirit? The gift of God. Right there. The Holy Spirit is the gift of God. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to pay dues. You don't have to learn a secret handshake and come in some secret club. And then you get the Holy Spirit. It's the gift of God. Simon, you have a completely, completely, let me just say this one more time, completely missed the point. If you think that the Holy Spirit is something you can buy or it's a thing that that, uh, we can give you a secret formula to do, may your money perish with you. You have no part or portion in this matter for your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. What do you suppose the intention of his heart was? Hold on to that. I'm not, don't, don't ask it yet. I'm going to come back to it. But, pray, but it was, there was an intention in his heart uh, that needed forgiving. Uh, for I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. And Simon answered and totally freaked out and said, Pray to the Lord for me yourselves so that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. All right. Back... Back to, 
I think that's, that's, that's what we're going to talk about as a matter of fact. Gall of bitterness, noxious, revolting, offensive. There's something in you, Simon, that is noxious, revolting, and offensive. And in, there's some language trick going on here. So, uh, but the words, the Greek words that are used here uh, for, for gall of bitterness are also the Greek words that are used to translate the Hebrew word for wormwood into Greek. Okay, so now, so there was something, I showed you the wormwood bush so that you could see just physically what, what the impact of this. There was something uh, in Simon that was noxious and revolting and offensive as the spiritual equivalent of wormwood eating you up, Simon, and it's bad, uh, and we've got to do something about it. And you are in the bondage of iniquity, which means you are totally trapped by a self-centered, sinful attitude. I, and so we think, oh, that's pretty bad. Uh, how many of you here have ever been trapped by a, a selfish, self-centered, sinful attitude? Okay, so... <laughs> so so, so that, that, that raises the question now, uh, was Simon a bad dude? I mean, he was a sorcerer. He was, he was called Simon the sorcerer, Simon the magician. Um, was he a bad dude? And um, was he involved in some kind of bad stuff? Maybe. Uh, we're not really uh, given a lot of understanding of how he lived his life. He was... He was uh, he did have a nickname. Do you remember what his nickname was? Because of his reputation? Uh, earlier in Acts chapter 8, he, he was identified as what? Yeah. He was a magician who was called the great power of God. Welcome Simon the magician to the stage. I, I don't know. But he was, whatever, it, whatever he did, he was so good at it that he was reputed to have spiritual power. This guy has the great power of God. But honestly, was he evil? I'm, I'm going to side with Laura on this. I'm thinking not. I'm thinking he was just trying to make a buck. All right, good. And, here's, and so now, this is where it comes home. Um, I think, who wouldn't? When you see the, the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through the apostles and touching people and seeing them healed and delivered, who wouldn't want to have that power? Anna, wouldn't you like to have that power? Um, Caleb, would you like to have that power? Uh, Deanna, would you like to have that power? You know, we are attracted to power. Um, it's dazzling and it makes us feel special and it enables us to do special things and he knew it was the real deal because he had been faking it all his life and now I want to do that too I want show me how to do that show me how can I get this power to flow through me and touch other people and maybe at this point he was even thinking uh, sort of like you do whenever you're thinking about what you would do if you won the lottery Uh, just think of all the good I could do if I had this power flowing through me. It's exciting. It's exciting. Um, And we give Simon a hard time. Uh, Here's how I think I know what was in his heart. 
once the apostle said, you know, you're, you're like, you're as bad as a wormwood plant. There's something in you that's, that's got to come out of you and you need to repent and ask God to please uh, be merciful and not, and not um, hold what's going on in your heart against you. I think what I hear in these verses is a heart of repentance. And he said, oh, oh no, please pray that what you have s- said, that, that God would deliver me from this. C- please pray for God to deliver me, protect me from this. So I think, I mean, we have to remember, he, was, he had already accepted Jesus. Something had happened in his life. He was already, something had changed in him. He had already been baptized. But he made the mistake that a lot of people that, uh, that walk in the modern-day charismatic movement, if you can even call it the charismatic movement, even, what do we call it these days? I don't know. Uh, but but it's this, you get this attraction to the power. Absolute power from God. Um, and, and we start to obsess on the power. Um, we have power conferences and we have power evangelism and we have power healing. Now, I know this sounds odd since what we've been studying for the last several weeks, several months, is, is the power of God because the power of God is all there is. But it's the power of God. It's not the power of us. It's, it is God's power working through us as we surrender to Him and as we tell our story. And I think the body of Christ is continually afflicted. It was, it was afflicted in the same way that Simon the magician was afflicted with this notion that if I could just have the power of God, that would change everything. And, um, and people would come from miles around drawn to that power that I have learned how to use. And it's, nor- it's just wrong. It's wormwood. That's, uh, that's the gall of bitterness. It's also part of this phrase in Greek is, is bilious, yellow, like bile. Uh, smells bad, looks bad, is bad, sickness. We, we, we all get afflicted with that sickness. Whenever we think about what I could do if I had this power, if, if we just had this power happening in our church right now, think of all the people that would be attracted. If we just... Um, we're, you know, we, we are all just as likely to fall into this uh, as Simon the Magician is. Have a little, little thought. Here's a thought for the day. A man cannot be perceived to be at the same time clever and Christ-like. Do you, do you understand what that means? Uh, if I am thinking about how I can make myself look clever, or look important look like I've got my opportunity to look like Jesus is completely gone you can't be perceived to be clever oh look how clever that boy do you see the way that you know that that sermon was so awesome today yes I know Uh, um, I don't know exactly what it means to be Christ like except I know it when I see it. I know it when I see it. And Simon, 
was not thinking about humility here. He wasn't thinking about being Christ-like. He was thinking about the power. And if I just had the power, think of all the stuff I could do. A man cannot at the same time be perceived to be clever. Oh, what a clever Christ-like person. No, that, that, that's not the way it works. Uh, the t- harder we try to, put the, to, uh, to be something, the less we end up being like Jesus. We can't do both. Uh, it can either be about you or it can be about him, but not both. It can be about you or it can be about him, but not both. And this obsession with let's get more of the power here has a trap that it becomes about the power and it becomes about how the power, what the power allows us to do. And it's, it's about Jesus. It's his power. It's not ours. And we have to be surrendered to him. So, what's this next slide? Uh, we've already talked about this. The biggest miracle, miracle is telling our story, right? Just to remind you one more time. The Holy Spirit, this is what, this is in Acts chapter 1. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you can c- attract attention to yourself? No. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so you can be my witness. So you can tell your story <coughs> About your, about your relationship with me. So you can tell the story of Jesus and the Holy Spirit produces miraculous results. Bottom line, Simon wanted to produce miraculous himself, results himself. Instead of just telling his story, Lord, the story you told this morning, powerful story. Some people are going to hear that story. The Holy Spirit's going to use it. And it's, it's going to bless somebody. You've all got stories that you can tell. And under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, they will, will lead to miraculous results in the ears and the lives of the hearers. So that's the biggest miracle. And that's our, still our only responsibility, to tell our story and let the power of God then come and do what he wants to do. So I'm going to punch this again. But what if the miracle doesn't come? You keep waiting. See, her freedom started when she said, I'm just trusting God. I'm going to stop worrying about it. I know God will do what he wants to do. Uh, um, so, um, so, Mike, I'm, um, I'm just about ready. You can, you can switch the recording. 